0: Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today, Swakowski the big right-hander lets it go, it's right down
1: Broadway, Dionisio lets it fly, and it's, oh it's raining
0: now. It's time
1: Rain Delay Theater
0: with Jeremy Dionisio and Jack Swakowski.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. I'm Jeremy Dionisio.
0: And I'm Jack Swakowski.
1: And uh, we're back after uh, our own uh, personal All-Star break. And um, we're bringing you uh, a recap of the Monday, July 19th doubleheader, uh, which featured the Minnesota Twins at the Chicago White Sox. Um, So that'll be a fun one, our first uh, straight doubleheader, uh, or any doubleheader for that matter, uh, for the podcast. Uh, But before we get into that, Jack, um, who is your number 127 guy?
0: Um, yeah, Jeremy, so my number 127 is a guy by the name of Preacher Rowe. Oh, yeah, he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers, he was a pitcher, he won uh, 127 games for those Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, I believe I've mentioned this book before, but he is a character in uh, uh, the uh, book The Boys of Summer, written by Roger Kahn. So he was kind of the uh, ace of the staff for uh, some of those really good early 50s Brooklyn Dodgers teams that, um, you know, won. He was a four-time All-Star, finished uh, top top 10 in MVP voting, well, top 5 in 1951. Um, I think famously gave an interview where he admitted to uh, throwing the spitter. Um, so, yeah, he won 127 games. There's a funny story uh, that Preacher Rowe tells to uh, the writer Roger Kahn um, about Branch Rickey. Uh, who I believe was the uh, the general manager. Um, I think Walter O'Malley was maybe the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers. I think Branch Rickey, um, you know, we hear so much about him, uh, you know, in sort of the lore of, of Jackie Robinson coming up to the big leagues, Branch Rickey being the guy who, uh, you know, sort of facilitated that. But uh, yeah, he, t- he tells a, Preacher Road tells a funny story about Branch Rickey. Um, he says, uh, you know, preacher Rowe had a real good season uh, one year he said and you know he went back to his uh, back to his farm um you know in the country and he he got to thinking and he said, "Well, you know, I I think I'm worth uh, I'm going to be worth a lot of money this year, so I want to be paid $10,000 because you know ball players weren't paid anything back then." So preacher Rowe said, "I had a good season, I think I'm worth a lot of money. I I want to want to be paid $10,000." So Branch Rickey comes down to preacher Rowe's uh, farm and uh, he, he talks to Preacher Rowe and he says, Preacher, you had a, you know, you had a great season with us. Uh, you've been with the organization for a couple years and, you know, we think of you as family. And then he said he opened, like Branch ricky opened his car door and out came two beautiful hound dogs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Preacher Rowe was like, oh, great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so Branch ricky said, tell you what, you know, you can take these hound dogs and I'm going to also give you this contract. And there's no number on this contract. I want you to decide uh, what you think you're worth and then just mail it back to me because you're like family to us. Preacher Rose said, wow, he was really moved by that. So, you know, so so Branch Ricky leaves and Preacher Rose says, man, that was really generous of him to give me these dogs and say I'm family. So I'm, I'm gonna take at least $2,500 off of, off of what I think I'm owed. And then so, uh, so you know, he, he goes to bed, next morning he wakes up and he takes these hound dogs out hunting and he has a great day of hunting and he says wow that you know these dogs are great like I can't believe Mr. Ricky gave me these dogs like I'm gonna take another thousand dollars off of my price and then he you know next day he wakes up same thing and so eventually after a couple days Preacher Rowe has, has brought his, his price down five thousand dollars from where he he thought he was gonna be or it was he if he had practically halved what he thought he was owed I don't know if it was exactly ten thousand but whatever you get the point so anyway he he uh he signs the contract and he writes that much lower number, uh, on the contract and he, he takes it to the post office and mails it. And he says, when I got back, I was going to take my hound dogs out hunting, but they had jumped the fence and run back to Mr. Ricky's house in Brooklyn. (laughs) And so that was that, I thought that was a funny story because I feel like Branch Ricky's kind of like lionized, but, uh, I don't think he was, uh, you know, he was, he was a slick guy. I think, um, uh, I I've also heard that Branch Rickey didn't pay the uh, the Negro Leagues team anything to acquire Jackie Robinson's rights. I think he refused to do it. So yeah, uh, in, certainly an interesting baseball <laughs> character. But I uh, I like that story. I, I don't think it's true. I mean I'm sure it's exaggerated. But Preacher <laughs> Roe, uh, you know, he's a, a funny guy. He lived uh, he lived up to 2008. He was born in 1916, wow. so uh, he lived to be almost 93 years old. Um, yeah, 2008 pretty recent for a guy who uh you know who played on those brooklyn dodger teams to have passed away so he lived he lived a long full life uh and you know certainly a, a very colorful ball player what with the spitter and uh in all of his stories and stuff so i yeah. thought i'd share that one uh, yeah. on the pod
1: that's a good one that's a good one yeah. jack um yeah i wasn't sure if it was leading to the dogs like running away or, or like dying or something <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. but uh but yeah that's pretty good and um i mean uh yeah i guess. Uh, what Harrison Ford played uh Branch Rickey in uh 42 right
0: you did yeah i want my family back i don't know if he says that in there
1: but you know <laughs> yeah he should he should i want my yeah. my attendance back <laughs> uh, um but uh no, he says like, "I want you to have the courage not to fight." That that is what he yeah, says. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah.
0: You know, I yeah, I, I I think that's uh, yeah, I think we we quoted that to each other uh, before sometime. Uh, <laughs> I think so. I, that, I think that's the one Chadwick Boseman movie I, I have yet to see, um, which is odd because it's the one baseball movie he made. Have you seen? Have you seen Forty
1: Two? No. no, I haven't, Jack. Okay. Which begs the question, you know, maybe we should watch it for the podcast, but maybe I, it's yeah. maybe it's a little too like. Uh, respected to watch for the podcast yeah I, don't know. I was
0: gonna say it's uh, yeah it's probably the subject matter is um you know too serious and it's uh yeah too um I, I don't know that there would be a lot for you know the rain delay theater style to to make fun of um, right
1: not much to expand on in the, for that one. yeah for <laughs> one, sure
0: one more oddity about preacher Rowe in 1945 with Pittsburgh he led the National League with 148 strikeouts. Uh, that is not a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. Um, the guys just didn't strike out back then. Cool, Jeremy. But, yeah, Preacher Row. All
1: right. Cool, Jack. Well, um, my guy this week uh, is Jody Davis, former catcher for the Chicago Cubs.
0: Yeah. I, uh, his name stuck out to me. I, th- I thought you might you might pick him. He, well, he yeah. was a guy you liked as a kid, right?
1: I mean, yeah, he was, um, you know, he was a fan favorite as a kid. So very, in my very earliest, like Cubs memories, uh, I remember Jody Davis playing on the Cubs. Um, he was on the Cubs from 81 to 88. Um, so Jack, uh, yeah, he was, you know, uh, two time all-star, um, won the gold glove in 1986. Um, and, uh, just, you know, like kind of known as kind of like a, a, a bulldog behind the plate. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, fan favorite. Um, in in days where like you know catchers weren't like huge, offensive guys, he um he had some good numbers, um good power numbers at least. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, just v- my earliest memories of the Cubs w- was was with Jody Davis as a catcher uh, before you know the Joe Girardis and uh, the Rick Wilkinses, <laughs> uh, sure. as it were. You but, know,
0: um, yeah, yeah Jeremy, it, it, he's got an interesting career here. Um, yeah. you know, he was one of those catchers. It kind of reminds me of Jason Kendall, where uh, you know he would catch every single day. I mean, I'm looking; it looks like three times he started 140 plus games behind the plate, which is kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, a lot. Uh, Um, yeah, more. Uh, four times, five. Yeah, four times. I think over 140. Uh, twice over 150. Um, pretty. Yeah, pretty. Um, uh, much a workhorse uh, for the, for those eighties, uh, Cubs who never did anything, sadly. <laughs> uh, and he kind of just gave his body for, for a team that was, I think, perennially perennially really bad. I, I, I don't know. 84. He was, you know, he, he, he you know, they, they, they made the, the playoffs, but, but anyway, so, so like, uh, my like personal connection with Jody Davis is like, you know, I, I don't think, I'm not sure if we talked about this much on the podcast, but, I have tried to, like, rack my brain about, like, the first – I've tried to, like, pinpoint, like, the first Cubs game I ever went to, or the first, which would have been the first baseball game I ever went to. And, like, I – yeah, I just don't have, like – I've never been able to find the date, but, like, in my, in my memory, Jody Davis hit a homer. Uh, I th- kind of thought it was a grand slam, uh, but I, I've gone back, and I was pretty sure it was against the Mets because I remember seeing the Mets in a very early game uh, that I went to. I've – you know, since baseball references become like a thing, I've, I've kind of gone back and scoured his like game, his Homer log. And I like pinpointed it to like a handful of games, but I, I even got to the point where I was like seeing like, okay, this was like a September day game. And I'm like, well, I probably wasn't at that cause I was probably in school. Um, so like, you know, was it a August, like, was it a, was it like a, was it like a April Saturday game? Well, I could have been at that one. So like there, there's all kinds of like things that I've tried to like narrow it down. I think I came down to about like, two games that it could have been um a couple years ago at the national baseball card sports card convention show uh in chicago jody davis was signing autographs and i went and i got his autograph and i I asked him about it i'm like hey uh you know like i I think my first my first game uh, you hit a homer um uh i I think it was a grand slam against the mets and uh he's like yeah yeah i hit, hit a couple against the mets um maybe uh 84 uh and I was like, yeah, maybe. And I was like, there's no way it was '84 because I was three years old at that point. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to like. Did,
0: now the question is, though, did he hit a home run against the Mets in '84?
1: Um, yeah, he he did. He he like remembered. Nice. Like he remembered. Like yeah, he he had like a grand slam I think against the Mets in '84. So like he like, um, you know, I might, maybe I'm getting the year wrong, but I'm pretty sure like I'm pretty sure that's what he said. So it's cool, like that I got like instant like recall from a player of like, you know, remembering like the damage he did against a team. But uh so, you know, the the first game is still um you know, still a question for the for the ages, but um but I do remember like seeing Jody Davis hit a homer. I remember uh they used to like on the video on the little like video strip that they had under the scoreboard at at back in the eighties, like there would be a thing that said like Joe D, Joe D and uh I think like Harry Carey used to sing like Jody Jody Davis, like Davy Crockett. Oh um, gosh, and uh, yeah, so he was uh, he was a fan favorite. He ended up going to the Braves for a couple years at the end of his career, and he was from Georgia, so mm. I'm sure that that was a homecoming for him. Um, actually, when I when I, I I called him a bulldog earlier, and I think it was subconscious because I think he was wearing a bulldog's like a Georgia bulldog's like like uh, pullover uh, when, when I met him, uh, to get his autograph. So anyway, uh, that's my little connection there with Jody Davis. I think like any Cubs fan from the, from the eighties probably has a strong feeling about him. Uh, so had to pick him for hitting 127 homers uh, in his career. Yeah.
0: Nice. You know, Jeremy, that, that begs the question too. And I've always kind of wondered this, um, like how much do athletes remember individual moments in their careers? I mean, I'm sure there's like the big walk-off home runs that they remember, but it would be like you know, like, do you remember every single music show you ever played? You know, do I remember every single theater show I ever acted in? Like, individual ones, you know? Mm-hmm, you could be, like, mm-hmm. you know, you could describe, like, do you remember this show that you were in? I would say, yeah. Do you remember this individual performance? I would say no. And, like, for a baseball player who played a thousand games in their career, like, you know, J- there's no way Jody Davis remembers every single home run that he hit, even though he hit 127 of them, you know? So it's just, it's kind of crazy to think, like, You know, if I if I ever hit a home run, even in a little league game, I'd be like, holy shit. You know, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. But like these guys probably just forget about like a lot of the good plays that they do. Yeah,
1: it's for sure. I I was thinking maybe I don't know what the 84 Mets did, but, you know, hitting one against the Mets in the 80s, I suppose, is probably like something that you would remember. But I'm looking at his home run log right now, Jack, Uh, September 14th, 1984 uh, Grand Slam against Brent Gaff of the New York Mets. Nice. So go. he
0: did, you know, he, he was, he, he remembered that shit. So yeah. that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. also six, yeah. four for a catcher is, is pretty, pretty big too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. But, uh, there you yeah. go. Jody Davis.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, uh, Jeremy, yeah. So we went to the game on a Monday, uh beautiful night. It was a, a double header started at 4 PM a lot. So it, it is Thursday, uh, as we're recording right now, a lot's happened since then, um, Yermin yeah. Mercedes retired and then unretired um, in the he span did. of under twenty four hours. So he did. two people, a-
1: two two twins who have been on this, uh, who are appeared in this game, are no longer going to appear with the twins this season.
0: Uh, yeah, so it's uh, Nelson Cruz, and then there was an injury too, right? It was uh, 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 yeah, Kir- a Alex Kirilov.
1: Alex uh, Kirilov got like season ending um, uh, ligament surgery on his wrist. Um, so he he apparently has been playing with it. Uh, for most of the year Um, but uh, he he did appear in these games and he elected to get the surgery I think like yesterday so he's they think he's going to be out for the rest of the year now
0: well we're we're lucky we got to see him Jeremy because I mean we saw him in the minors in in 2018 so it's always uh, always kind of a a nice continuation of the narrative on rain delay theater when we uh, see a guy in the minors and then we see him in the majors so um, even though he didn't really do shit in either one of those games, right. it was uh, it was you know cool to cool to see him on a major league field just you know three years after we saw him in low A.
1: For sure, I was gonna say um, you know it'll be cool the fact that he plays on the Twins will be cool that we'll get multiple chances to see him. But it was cool to see him. I'd love to see a, a like 100 healthy Alex Kirilov to see what he can do. The guys had a lot of injuries in his career, so hopefully it doesn't keep plaguing him. But um, unfortunately, yeah, his, his first full, uh, season is going to be cut short. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so hopefully big things from him. I, Jack, I think I, you know, I don't want to open this can of worms. I know that we've seen guys in a minor league game who've played in the majors, see the alternate site game from earlier this year, but mm-hmm. Kirloff might be one of the first prospects that we saw for Rainley theater to hit the majors.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I, can, well, yeah, I mean, the only other guys I could think of would be Guerrero and, and Bichette. Um, which but but they were, they were not, uh, they were not, that was not a rain delay theater. Um, you know, correct. Official, official game that we saw. So this might be the first time. So that, that's a milestone for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That means we've been doing this podcast for a while.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Very good. Um, yeah, so we, uh, so we got there and, you know, we were ready to enter the park. Uh, you know, we met at our usual spot right by the parking lot and we, uh, we headed on in.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, it was kind of a, a heck of a task to get to this game. It's like I said, like Jack said, four o'clock uh, local uh, Central Time start. Uh, so I was, Jack was off that day, but I was like hoofing it from from uh, my my remote teaching classes. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then the ticket thing was a whole like kind of ordeal. But we we managed to get make that work. But um, but yeah, got in like I I don't know like it, we kind of jumped through a lot of hoops for this game. Uh, but for a straight double header, which we haven't had a chance to go to, um, since, uh, the podcast has started, I thought it was worth it. And, um, you know, we had, um, we, we had gone to several, the White Sox have been pretty notorious for the last several years of just doing straight double headers, which is sad because they, they don't think they can make enough, uh, from two different from two separate dates, <laughs> uh, to do a split double header. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we, ha- I, I wanted to jump at this opportunity. So, we um we made it work um we kind of got in uh so i guess we should talk about like going into the to the 100 level so last time we went to the the Sox game um there was uh they were checking tickets at the 100 level um so we just kind of went straight up to the uh the the upper deck uh this time because you know the day the, the 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 like day part of a split doubleheader game one of a doubleheader when it's like a day game uh there's usually not a lot of people there. So I was kind of convinced that we would just be able to kind of like waltz right in. Like we, like we own the place, like, like in previous years with the white Sox. um, we got to, uh, that 100 level and there were people checking tickets again, but, or there were people standing there, but they, it was unclear whether they were really checking tickets. Uh, there were two like women, like, like working that, like kind of like standing there with like a barrier between them. And, um, people were like walking by at one point, the woman like walked over to her friend and was like talking to her. And like, I saw like a group of like four or five people, like kind of just stroll right on through. So I was kind of just like, let's just like, I I don't even think we really communicated this point, Jack, but I kind of was just like went full straight ahead and like, uh, try to go right in there. Um, of course, as we were like walking in, she starts walking back towards the opening and there was a guy like to our left who was kind of shielding us, uh, or screening us or whatever. And, he kind of like I yeah it's unclear I think he kind of like voluntarily stopped and showed her the tickets but like we just kind of scroll we kind of just like scooged uh, like right past the guy and just kind of got in
0: we did we did it without issue and and, and speaking without uh, of getting in without issue so uh, you know we bought these tickets through a uh, a website um, and uh, Jeremy you, you kind of weren't sure. If our tickets were going to, like, if, if the ticket you texted me was going to scan. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, let's just, you know, let's just see if they'll scan. My ticket will scan. If it doesn't, you've got both of them on your phone. So it should mm-hmm. work. So I, you know, I showed my QR code to the woman who was scanning tickets. And she just kind of vaguely pointed the laser oh, at my right. phone. And okay. then I went in. So... I'm actually not sure if those tickets <laughs> right. scan or not because I am honestly not convinced that she really scanned my ticket. She saw That's a QR true. code on there and just scanned it, you know, That's and that, true. That, that, that QR code could have just been a screenshot like that. I took at like a, a, a of a menu at a restaurant or <laughs> right. something and yeah. could have showed it to her and I got in. Of course, we also had to pass uh, through security as well. Um, so we, we kept trying to figure out what line to get into. Um, all of them seemed like they were moving slow. The guy that was right right in, the guy that was right in front of me, uh, you know, he tries to go through the fucking thing and it beep, it beeps him of course. And so he has to go back and then they're like, well, you got to remove everything from your pockets. And this had been made very clear to everybody before they entered security. So the guy's like, Oh, Oh, okay. And he had already taken out a couple of things, but then he proceeded to take out, uh, like a wallet, a set of keys. Uh, you know, um, a thing like a fake mustache and glasses that he had, uh, you know, a, a scrapbook of, uh, pictures of his children, just laying it all, all out on there. Was in his fucking cargo shorts that, that were filled up It was like, Jesus dude, like, you know, get your shit together here.
1: It, it was absurd. It was, it was like comical. Like, yeah, like it's, it's 2021. Like we've been doing this for years now of like going through, uh, security and like it, jack is not exaggerating like it was literally like he went through and they're like the guy said Do you have anything else in your pockets right and so then he goes oh yeah and he proceeds to take yeah it was like wallet there was a camera in there for sure like a like a case with a camera in it um a phone i yeah just it, it was absurd he just like kept putting all these things in it. and it's like what you know this is why there's a slowdown like all the time because people his cargo
0: his cargo pants were like the shorts equivalent of like a clown car you know where it's just like he kept he kept pulling more stuff out of them i also recently learned jeremy that cargo pants are like and cargo shorts specifically are are very out of style and (laughs) uh a Very undesirable look for uh, for men to have, so the only the only shorts I own that aren 't gym shorts are cargo shorts so <laughs> this this summer, I have opted to either you know if i'm if i 'm going out to like the store to buy something in tot out i 'll just wear my gym shorts or if i 'm going out somewhere. I will uh you know, I will wear a pair of jeans. So I, oh, yeah. I uh it's not gonna happen this summer. I'm not gonna get a, a cargo less uh pair of shorts this summer. It's too late. It's too late in the summer now. So um
1: I, I don't know, Jack, do I wanna know how you <laughs> were made aware of this? i uh, fashion trend <laughs> uh, I, I have
0: you know i have been told by you know several ladies that uh cargo shorts are n- not when i was wearing them but just fishing uh, you know like yeah is that a good look like no no it's not so uh interesting, interesting. so yeah no more no more cargo shorts uh for me i'll have to i'll have to go to Kohl's and you know get myself a nice pair of shorts that you know i don't know seems like the style now is is that so uh I,
1: yeah i jack i don't know like i I think I don't know if you know me as this type of person, but like for years I didn't wear shorts. I refused uh-huh. to wear shorts just for like the punk rockness of it, like just sure. wearing like jeans, like uh, or pants like all summer long. And then like uh, I think like kind of like with the inception of some of these like outdoor festivals, like Pitchfork and um, Riot Fest and stuff, like and being outside, I just I kind of had to buckle um, and wear shorts and. I've pretty much always been like a cutoffs guy. And so like, I just, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for a pair of pants to, to kind of get a cut in the knee or something and just like turn them into cutoffs. And that's kind of what I, what I roll with. It's kind of a, kind of a scruffy edge look, kind of like, uh, like literally like the bottom of the, the cutoffs. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I feel like that's, 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 that's like a short look that I can kind of go with, you know?
0: All right. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I. I did. I. I did notice that you used to. I probably didn't see you in a pair of shorts until we'd known each other for like six years. There you so. go. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> I'm
1: glad that that repu- that, that repu- reputation, you know, withheld itself. So very nice.
0: Um. So yeah. We. Uh, we ended up getting uh, getting into the uh, the first deck, and so we 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 uh, sat. We had prime seats, so we yeah. sat right behind home plate, essentially. Um, In like the third to last row of the first deck, um, which is kind of where we usually sit, like in one of those last three rows. And, you know, you speculated because we we always sit there without issue. And it's like there's no there's not even any chance that we're going to get kicked out of these seats. And people just kind of people just come and go in these seats to the point where it's like, no, there's (laughs) clearly this is nobody's ticket. Um, right yeah so, is, you know it's, it's like do they even sell those last three rows
1: yeah it's for like it's it's like the nomadic seats it's like you'll see someone there and then they'll be gone like the next inning and never you'll never see him again um it happened with the the guy with the landmines uh from yep. one of those games the guy was just gone and we were sitting in a, about like the third to, to last row um yeah it's weird i was telling a story um or i was telling jack about this like because of where we were sitting for that Rays game, which was all, almost all the way up in the right field corner, um, when I got when the Sox first opened uh, the new Comiskey Park um, at at my grade school or at grade schools around the the, the city, um, if you had like perfect attendance, you would win like free White Sox. You could get free White Sox tickets, and so I would get like um, all these free White Sox tickets, and I would go with my mom and my my grandmother. Bless their their souls for, for taking me all the way down to the white Sox game, just because I <laughs> wanted to see baseball. But they were of course, like the worst seats in the house. They were like all the way up in the upper deck that the part that wraps around into fair territory, uh, all the way up in the right field corner. And it was, those seats were so like steep that like, um, they ended up redoing the upper deck and changing those seats, like rebuilding that, that section. Cause they were so steep. And we sat up there and my mom was like getting like dizzy Uh, from like sitting that high up and so we she went and talked to like uh fan services and they ended up moving us like to like right behind home plate behind like one of those like in one of those like last three rows so it seems like maybe they keep those open for people who uh who who who, you know bark too much about their bad seats and like demand (laughs) to be moved uh just like my mom did probably back in like 1992 or something so um so yeah, so it, it, it is interesting, um and uh yeah we've we've had good luck with those seats, so um yeah no no need to to, to shy away from them,
0: no um and so w- one one group of people who did sit there the whole game they were kind of a, a, a row in front of us and to in the section to our left um it was a, a mom um you know and, and her 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 young kid who must have been about you know her young son who must have been about eight eight years old yeah um and they were just kind of sitting there. And uh, this, was, this was before the game, or actually maybe right right during the start of it, uh, whenever. Um, and uh, a, a White Sox employee uh, in like a polo shirt, so it seemed like it was someone from, not an usher, but someone from like uh, employed by White Sox fan services, came up to those two and had like a nice gift bag of stuff for them. Um, I don't know what the circumstances were of them getting this gift bag. Uh, yeah. Maybe they, they were guests of the White Sox, but it looked like they were getting some good stuff.
1: It it was weird. It was like it, it had the, it had the feeling that like the kid got hit by a foul ball or something, and like like a foul ball and like they were like uh here take this gift bag like but it, it didn't happen it it was weird it's like they owed them, like there it was it was like a you know a gesture from like the White Sox to this this kid and the mom, as if something happened in the past like so it was weird I don't yeah, yeah I don't it, know it what had
0: happened. the the vibe of a, a mea culpa of yeah, some sort exactly. and the the eventually the the uh the white Sox employee he kind of got down on his knee and like he was having like a conversation an extended conversation like with the mom um and you know i it got to the point where i was like you know is this is is this guy like trying to make time with this mom or something (laughs) i don't know you know but like it it also kind of started to take on like that vibe too um but whatever it was these two were kind of engaged in a a rather intimate conversation for about two three (laughs) minutes and then uh, out of nowhere um, from like lo- lower in the deck comes this uh, this this older this older lady um, just yeah. by herself um, and she just she's very clearly trying to butt into the conversation that these two are having um, and whatever her complaint was it simply could could not wait she was nope. like um Um, excuse me, excuse me, uh, my, my, the ice, the ice in my drink is, uh, is too cold. Uh, That wasn't what she said, but that was also (laughs) the vibe of, of her complaint.
1: Yes, you know, you know, whatever that complaint was, it was like, it was fucking absurd and, and unwarranted. Yeah.
0: And whatever it was, it completely ruined the moment that, like, the, uh, the White Sox employee was having with, like, this mother and her son. Just completely ruined it. Um, yeah.
1: It, it, you know, like, he, he did whatever to like, um, you know, um, uh, expedite that situation and like get her on her way. And then he's like, he turned kind of turned on. He's like, uh, OK, well, you know, uh, just if you need anything, <laughs> let me know or something. And then <laughs> like he, he kind of got out of there. But like, yeah, it totally it, she totally like C blocked him. Um, and uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like uh, just it was you know i'm sorry when when excuse me when i sat down my my chair was was a little dusty and i'm going to need a free ticket something like <laughs> definitely something along that vibe
0: um so and then and then she went back down and i think she was by herself cuz she wasn't sitting wasn't sitting with anybody there was no one in like the seats next to her so I don't know what this lady's deal was, but, uh, you know, later in the game she got like an ice cream and, you know, she probably like <laughs> thought it was a little too melted. Um, you know, when she bought it, but you know, there was exactly. no one for her to complain to at that point. God um, forbid
1: if she got like that oat, that oat milk ice cream, I think that the Cubs are selling <laughs> like that, that. I could that heads would roll. If she found out she wasn't having real ice cream. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, um,
0: uh, yeah, there was a, so we saw, um, a marriage proposal uh, at the game. This was in the top of the third inning. Um, <clears throat> it was uh, it, it happened sort of on the first base, uh, third base side. So we were we were a little bit we were behind home plate, but we were a little bit more skewed uh, towards like where the on deck circle was on, on the first base uh, uh, first base side. So this one happened a little a few sections over uh, ear- earlier this week, Jeremy. I don't know if you saw this clip, but uh, a, a, it, it was at a minor league game. It was a proposal. And, uh, this guy proposed to this woman, like on top of the dugout, uh, and she said no and ran away. Um, but this was a, uh, this marriage proposal, it seems like the woman said yes. And then everybody clapped, uh, Jeremy zero out of 10 for me would recommend like proposing at a public event, like a baseball game.
1: Well, and and Jack, even if you're going to propose at a baseball game is the top of the third inning with like one out in the first game of a doubleheader the time to do it, like it's like it's such an odd time. It's like, all right, third inning, one out. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> it's like what? Like when do you even pick when that happens? Like a lot of times, they'll like, you know, you you'll like put a thing on the board, like uh, you know, Daphne, will you marry me <laughs> or whatever? Um, and they'll show it on the board, and then you know the wife, the 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 girlfriend, whatever, will see it, or like they'll. They'll even tell, like, you know, if you tell, like, White Sox security, like, hey, I want to do a marriage proposal, um, you know, they'll put you on the video board. Like, they might do something. This seemed just, like, completely, like, renegade and just, like, (laughs) as if this guy didn't know that you can, like, you know, do those kinds of things. And it was just, like, it was just so random. Like, there was, like, you know, I think, like, friggin', like, Luis Arise just, like, flew out to to left field. And then we look over and, like, people are clapping. And this guy's like, on a knee and then they like hug. It's like, okay. And then now you got like, you know, five more hours of baseball ahead of you. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, know. It,
0: it. so I'll, I'll say this, Jeremy, you know, I would, <clears throat> you know, I would never propose to somebody at a baseball game because as we've said, we are there to watch baseball. Yeah. But like, if, if the, the situation ever happened where I was going to propose to, you know, somebody at a baseball game and probably go down, like I'd pop the question, you know, that hopefully, you know, she would say yes. And then I'd be like, okay, great, great, that's taken. I'd probably turn to the guy next to me and be like, hey, did Anderson, did he strike out swinging or was he looking there? You know, like (laughs) get get right back to my scorecard. You know, I'd be pissed off that I missed the play. Um, But, yeah, just I would, uh, yeah, public proposals, man. No, no, thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah. As someone who has proposed, um, I I definitely decided to not go that route. so. (laughs) So there you go. Um, so Jack, uh, we were looking at, uh, so we should say to like, uh, you know, scorecard update, um, the, the socks like, uh, continued, uh, the, the situation with, um, the pre-printed scorecards. Uh, so we got one for, for game one. Um, we tried to get four coming in, like Jack, Jack went up and, 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 uh, asked for the scorecards. Uh, we were trying to get four for like the, the, the first game and the second game. And they were like, uh, here's two. And they're like. They're like, are you staying for both games? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, uh, okay. Well, the second one, you know, we won't have it until a little bit before it starts. And so we didn't even really think about that, like that concept. Um, so we could talk more about that later, I suppose. But we we did get the scorecards, and we were, um, you know, uh, admiring. They, they got the the lineups right this time, which was which was a nice bonus when you're gonna have a free a pre-filled out scorecard uh, to actually have the lineups right. Um, but we were like. You know, it's nice because it has, like, the coaching staffs for both teams, uh, and they, they have, like, the whole coaching staff. They even have, like, the, the QC, the quality control coach for the Twins. Uh, God forbid we don't have that. That's probably why they don't do it at, at Cubs games anymore. Like, someone was typing it up, and they're like, quality control coach? Forget this. I'm just putting the players. Um, but
0: Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. we know that the quality control coach is Mike Napoli, you know. Yeah, uh, right yeah coach in charge of, of partying down I guess yeah um,
1: supplying gold chains to the players <laughs> um,
0: but these you know so these twins coaches Jeremy I haven't heard of a one of them no, um,
1: we were running you know, down the we, list trying to figure out who, who any of these guys were
0: yeah I mean you got Tommy Watkins at first base uh, Tony Diaz at third Rudy Hernandez is their their pitching coach Pete Mackey is the bullpen coach, West uh, Wes Johnson, who I, he might've been a previous pitching coach for a different team, but like, I've never heard of any of these guys, Jeremy, you speculated that they're just Rocco Baldelli's friends that he met at a bar in Rhode Island.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I'm thinking like, I'm picturing like, like, you know, like the Rhode Island mafia or something like hanging out at some weird, like, you know, seaside bar or something like wooden, <laughs> like all wood interior, like bar, like running, like, you know, uh, illegal gambling rings out of the back uh, of this, of this bar. And like, you know, uh, Rocky Baldelli being like the, the Rhode Island, uh, hero, uh, that he is, uh, you know, when it comes, when it came time for him to hire his coaching staff, he might've just like went to like, you know, the local town, the townies and it's like, Hey, come on, be the uh, QC coach for my team. What do you say? You uh, know, you,
0: Jeremy, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking like along the lines of the movie outside Providence. You ever see
1: that? Uh, I'm familiar with it, but I've never, I don't know it too well.
0: Oh, it's just like a bunch of, you know, meat, meathead, like, you know, teenagers who are a bunch of idiots, you know, it's a coming of age movie, but it's, it's set in Providence, Rhode Island, you know, it's just, just, just lots of lines like, Hey, you, you wouldn't know a classy broad if she took a dump on your forehead, you know, (laughs) stuff like that, you know, um,
1: fairly brothers movies, right?
0: Yeah. Fairly brothers movie, right? There's a great line in there where, uh, the, the kid's name is Dunphy and a teacher asks him, Mr. Dunphy. Who launched the New Deal? And then the kid replies, "Uh, NASA." So it's like this is the uh, this is the co- type of coaching staff we're we're dealing with here. And yeah, I check out so. the movie Outside Providence. It's not not too bad.
1: <laughs> nice. I had a friend who quoted that movie a lot, and I was like, I don't think that movie's big enough to quote it. Like the way that you're <laughs> quoting
0: it. it. Yeah, surprising cult following. Alec Baldwin refers to his son as dildo in it. So uh, <laughs> nice. yeah. Good, good stuff. Another, another Alec Baldwin reference on this, uh, this podcast. Um, Jeremy, I, I kind of missed this next thing. Um, so it was like, I, it was like a White Sox scoreboard thing, and I kind of, I was like looking at my scorecard at the time or something. Yeah. And I missed it, but it was like White Sox music with Jose Ruiz.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing really notable uh, to say about this other than it just was not generally notable. Um, like, first of all, why? How is Jose Ruiz? How does he have his own like scoreboard feature? Yeah, Um,
0: you want to talk about, you know, outside Providence not being big enough to quote like Jose Ruiz is not big enough to have his own feature on a scoreboard.
1: No, absolutely not. I mean, I guess we can say he's still currently on the roster, which is more to be said than some previous White Sox uh, features (laughs) on the board. Uh, See Miguel uh, Gonzalez. Was that his name?
0: Yeah, um, I was, yes, I, I was thinking, who was that guy? Yeah, Miguel Gonzalez, like, he, he had a feature on the board and wasn't even on the on the roster and hadn't been on the team in, like, a year. Yeah, so yeah. at least they're doing a little bit better.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so, like, I don't know, you know, it's just, like, it's, like, favorite music, and it said Spanish, which, like, okay, Spanish music, all right. I, I, I feel like that's, I don't know if that's an exact genre. I feel like there's, more sub, there's like, more subcategories than that. So it just said Spanish, which, again, like, I don't think these guys know enough, like, it's like, it's like, you know, you're asking like, like, you know, what's your favorite kind of music? Oh, you know, honestly, it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, blue eyed soul or like Delta, the Delta blues or something. It's like, they're just like, Oh, uh, Spanish music. Like, you know, I don't know anything that's Spanish. So it's like, I don't think these guys, again, like, you ask them what their favorite music is. I don't think they study music enough to, like, be able to, like, tell you the intricacies. It's like, yeah, I like, uh, I like early Seattle grunge, you know? Like, uh, it's just, you know, there's (laughs) nothing more, you know, the second wave. I like second wave ska, you know? First wave ska was great. (laughs) Um, but it's like, no, like, they, they, it's like, uh, guitar music. It's like, it's like, I'm sure like that, that, that was probably like something that's, that's on the, uh, that's been thrown out by a player, but yeah. So I don't know. It's just, it's just as like, it's just completely unnotable. Um, but you know, we should, we should definitely pass it along to the masses here, but, uh, yeah. So there was that. We also saw, um, a a couple uh, brewing with Aussies too. Um, the first one was a repeat, um, of the one where he sprays down the Cubs uh, employee, which we saw last time. And I don't know if they're not busting out, um, uh, like new programming for, for like the f- game one of a double header. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that was, you know, that, it, it is what it is. It's still better. I'd still rather see a, a rerun of, <laughs> of brewing with Ozzy than a new episode of brewing with Ricky. So we, we, we gotta get, that. we
0: gotta get brewing with Tony at some point, you know? I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, he would, well, there's two ways you could go <laughs> okay, with that. Okay, wait.
0: I guess maybe not.
1: Yeah, right. I was gonna say there's a couple ways you could go with that one. I, I'll say <laughs> maybe the more like um, literal one would be like him shutting it down, saying like, you know, we don't, we don't, brew, we don't run our brewery like that. Like, you know, all we do is like <laughs> scoop the hops, brew the the beer, and and bottle it. That's it. Like none of this like you know playing around.
0: Yeah, you, you you have a vat, I have an office, you know.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so I think
0: the event of the game, though, the event of the entire doubleheader uh, happened in the uh, bottom of the third inning. Yep. So um, I, to my surprise, I hadn't really noticed that the White Sox did this, but they do not have, they have the screen in the back that's, you know, blocking the fans right behind the plate from, you know, foul balls. But the, that screen doesn't have an overhang. So if there's, if there's pop flies or even like slightly higher line drives, they're going to fly over that screen, uh, into, into the crowd, which
1: being where we were like the third from back row, we're, we are hovering just above that screen. So anything like hit on a slight elevation is going to come right to, to us.
0: It did, and, and sure enough, in the bottom of the third inning, uh, a ball off the bat of Danny Mendick, it was, a, it was a line drive, I guess a soft liner, but every, every line drive seems hard when you're you know a fan in the stands. Uh, came came back at us and and when it came off the bat, uh, i I knew Jeremy. I, I think we both knew right away that it was it was coming right towards us. Um, yeah. these moments uh they you know they happen in a split second, but they seem like they happen in slow motion when they're happening to you. so yeah. we we both saw this ball coming and I think we both knew that it was coming towards us and we both like anticipated it and kind of got out of our seats. but we didn't say anything to each other. no
1: it was jack so it was weird i I had three distinct uh, like, like notions to me, like as this ball is coming, number one, it's like, oh shit, this ball, uh, uh, might come to us. Uh, number two, um, or like, oh shit, this ball is coming to us. Number, number two, uh, um, I really don't want to, I don't want to like have to make a play on this ball. And number three, all right, I got to go for it because it's, it's now or never. And so like, So, yeah, so it – but, like, yeah, it's, like, there was, like, this, like, kind of pregnant pause. Like, I don't remember if we were, like, talking right beforehand or what, but there was, like, this pause where both of us, like, kind of, like, were, like, all right, here it comes. And, like, you know, we had to just do something. Yeah,
0: and we both realized that we didn't want to catch this ball on a fly because it wasn't a screamer, but it would have – first of all, neither of us probably would have been able to make a play on it with our bare hands. It was hit too hard for that. And if we had tried – uh, it would have hurt our hands. We wouldn't have made the play, and we surely would have lost the ball.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. If you're not going to get the ball, might as well not hurt your hand in the process. Um, it. So. So this ball came. It. It ended up okay. So we were sitting on the aisle. Uh, I was. I was on the aisle. I think we had a buffer seat, and then Jack was like three in, like the third seat in. It ended up landing. So it came right at. It, it came directly at, at me. It hit the seat in front of me. And so I was on the aisle, like I said, I had my, my clipboard, my White Sox clipboard and, um, my, my pencil and my scorecard. And I had my phone on my lap too. I don't know if I was just looking at my phone or I I think I was just about to look something up and the ball. So I had all those like passing, like, like ideas in my, or like notions in my head. So I went, I like, I leaned, I like kind of like hunched over, like kind of leaned over the chair in front of me. And I kind of like, I feel like I put my hands out like a second after the ball already hit the, the, the back of the seat. Um, so one thing is that when you see like a ball hit this, the seats and then you see people like scurry for it, it it kind of always like sticks in my head where it's like, Oh man, like, uh, you know, how did they miss that? Like it went right into the seat and went down. Like how do you miss it once it goes down through the seat? Um, but I know now, at least with the white socks, the way that, well, okay. So when, when there's an empty seat, you know, the seat like automatically recoils up and it's like folded up um, the way that, that the seat is angled, it's like a perfect slide for the ball to slide through the seat and go to the seat behind it, which is where I was sitting. Um, but so I know that now. So if a ball hits, um, you know, in one row, and goes through the seat, go to the row behind it, because it's automatically going to go, because it has nowhere else to go than the row behind it, so what I did was, I, I tried for the ball, I, I didn't catch it on the fly, then I kind of like dropped to like my my like left hip, and I kind of like hugged the seat to try to go for it, and I looked like, you know, I put my hand down through the seat, trying to like look for it below the seat, it wasn't there, I turn around, and I see Jack's hand on the ball, and another guy's hand on the ball.
0: Yeah, now, so, so Jeremy, at this point, the ball was directly under the seat that you were sitting in. Yeah. Um, like you said, it basically went through the seat in front of you and, and down underneath you. So the ball was under you and I had my hand on it. Now, now, sometimes when you're watching an NFL game and there's like a fumble and you see like eight guys try to, try to corral the ball on the ground, they just can't do it. That's a lot what this situation was like. It was just, uh, it was about a two seconds of, of pure bedlam. And so I saw the ball laying there, and I thought, I, at first I was gonna be like, you know, it's like, Jeremy's right behind it, I should just let him get it, but I was like, you, you kind of, you, you didn't have a read on the ball, so you didn't know no. where it was. And I was like, no. holy shit, here it is. This is my moment to get this foul ball. And so I put my hand on it, and some motherfucker that was right behind us, this 50-year-old, you know, just uh, out of shape, you know, past his prime asshole, Puts his hand on the ball too,
1: in it was a fucking a cru-
0: vice grip. Yeah. And my f- and it's my finger is under his hand, and so I had a grip on the ball and he had a grip on the ball, and so I tugged at it and he tugged at it too, and it was very clear that without some sort of ridiculous, like childish tug of war, um, I, like I was gonna have to fight this guy for the ball. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't care that much for this. Like I don't care enough. To fight a guy for a ball in the bottom of the third inning, like I'm not in the mood for this. Yeah. So I just I took my hand off the ball and I just I let this piece of shit get it.
1: <laughs> and and that that he was, Jack. Um he wasn't even like he was across the aisle from us too. Like he wasn't even like behind us, like he wasn't No, like, this
0: guy came out of nowhere. I hadn't even noticed him.
1: No, yeah, which again goes back to like the the nomadic um, you know, moniker of the of these last three rows. Uh, but like, yeah, he just came out of nowhere, grabbed the ball and like, yeah, I saw it. I even put my hand on it once both of your hands were on it. And then I was, I think I f- first like kind of backed off cause I'm like, this is, I, I yeah, I'm not going to do it. I, I had like a, a thing in, uh, Atlanta where, uh, Malik Smith hit a, a BP home run and I put my hand on it and like a girl put her hand on it too. And I'm like, I'm not going to yank it out of this girl's hand. So I, I let it go. Um, this was not a fucking, you know, teenage girl or whatever. This was like some fucking loser. Uh, Jack, he was, um, I referred to him later on as a replacement level human. Um, Yes. Just like completely like, like nondescript and like no discernible talents whatsoever. Just totally replacement level. Um,
0: he, he was the game. he was the Cesar Hernandez of fans at that game. <laughs> nobody has ever gone to a nobody has ever gone to a game to see Cesar Hernandez. You know, um, Rambo. Rambo describes. Uh, you know, somebody asked Rambo what what expendable means, in, in Rambo too, and he goes, "Well, it's like you know, you're invited to a party and you don't show up, and it doesn't really matter." Like that. That's this guy's <laughs> whole life. You yeah, know, it is true. Sure. Um, but but yeah, to your point, Jeremy. You know, when that uh, you said that girl had put the uh, you know her hand on the ball, and then you had it. Like you would have been the asshole who yanked it away. Now right. I wouldn't have felt like an asshole yanking the ball away from this guy, but yeah. like I said, it would have taken like brute strength and a and a fight with this guy to to get it. Um, that was how badly this guy wanted the ball. So I gave up on it, and I just decided to let the guy have it. Um, also because like I didn't want to fight this guy and like get us like kicked out. Uh, right. I will say, for the record, you know, I could have... Hey, Jeremy, I, you know, I work out. Uh, I And this guy was, like I said, 50 years old, past his prime. If I wanted to, I could have taken this guy. Nice. Um You know, <laughs> uh, and it wouldn't have even been, been close. Uh, and so, uh, but I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to let the guy have it. And then, so the way this guy ended up was just a sad, pathetic sight. Um, he was just, uh, he was, like, ended up sitting, he was sitting his ass was on the cement-like steps. Um, so this guy completely had to sell out and lay out for this ball. So, like, he, he gets the ball, and he's, like, his ass is sitting on these steps, and he's kind of he's winded for a second. And then he gets up, and it was, like, an embarrassing scene, you know? Sometimes when people get a ball, like, the people around him are like, oh, yeah, oh, cool, man, you got a ball? But it's like nobody... Nobody like cared or congratulated this guy on, yeah. on getting the ball because it was so pathetic because it was clear it was either your or my ball. Yeah. And like the guy just came in and, and stole it. It was like a, a, a total like heel shitty move by this guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like there was literally no one in front of us behind us or to the side of us um, on any direction because the the aisle was on the left side. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, Okay, man, I guess you got the ball. Like, congratulations. But, like, you went into – and it's not like it bounced. It's not like I missed it and then it bounced over to him. Like, he he left his section to go to our section and and not only take the ball, but, like, like, you would think that even if he was in the moment of doing that and he saw that your hand was on it and you were one of the people who were in that section, he would be like, hey, all right, you know, hey, it's yours, it's yours. But, like, so – so this guy like ended up going back. He was he was with somebody, and I heard him saying something like, "Oh yeah, this is prime foul ball territory or whatever." But like he was with a
0: he was with a lady, yeah. You know presumably his wife or girlfriend or something.
1: Yeah, and it seemed like it. I I would I feel like it was like a wife, and she was kind of just like humoring him, like, "All right, yeah, you got the ball, congratulations." But again, like there was no fanfare for this guy at all. Um, and you know, I actually remember. I feel like I even said something like as he was like walking away, I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's happening or something like that. Like, um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was pretty pathetic. Um, you know, I think like I, for me, Jack, like I could say like, if I, like if I have regrets about not getting the ball, I guess I should have caught it on the fly. Um, but yeah, but you know, and so it is what it is. Like I, I did have this distinct memory or distinct, uh, uh, like thought of like, I don't want to like smash my hand, uh, for this ball, but, Uh, you know, one of us should have gotten that goddamn ball. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad that this fucking little turd got, got it. Um, so what was even more sad though, uh, is like, so that was in the third inning. We like, I looked back at him once, but I never gave him like the full look back. Um, and I, I feel like by the fourth inning, we were still kind of talking about it. And by the fourth inning, we looked back and the guy was fucking gone. Never to be seen again.
0: Yeah, um, and so Jeremy, I, I, was, a li- I was pretty annoyed um, after, after the whole incident happened, um, you know, and I was, I was thinking, because I, I eventually got up to like, get a dog later in the game, but if the guy had like, stayed in those seats, um, I probably would have got- gotten up much sooner, like, you know, within the next half inning to like go to the bathroom and get a hot dog, because I wanted to say something to the guy, and I, was, I wasn't going to go full Mike Tyson freaking out on a reporter and saying, you know, just completely vile things. But, I, you know, the guy was with his girl, so I would have stopped uh, in front of him and I would have said, hey, man, you're lucky I let you have that ball. And then, like, <laughs> keep walking, you know, just like completely <clears throat> kind of just own the guy yeah. um, and let him know that, like, hey, if I wanted to, like, I could have had this ball, dude. And, you know, let him know that in front of his his woman, too. Um, but uh, but he was gone. He yeah. was just he was gone. He he booked it, man, because he knew he knew he uh, he knew he, it was a party foul. You know, he yeah. knew he knew he did something wrong. I've never owned a dog, but, you know, like, you know, I guess if you, you know, <laughs> if you own a dog and it, it shits in your house while you're not there, when you get home, the dog is all, like, sad because, you know, it knows that it's going to get fucking, you know, punished. And it's like, that, that was what this guy was. It was like, he was like a dog that, that shit in a, an empty house, like, waiting for the owner to come home, except he had the option of leaving. You know, he knew he did a bad thing, and so he left. Which Jeremy, you said, you said, yeah, I probably would have done the same thing.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, my 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 all my longstanding uh, stance on like the whole give a foul ball to a kid is like if I got a foul ball and like the people around me were harassing me to give it to a kid, I would not give it to a kid, and instead I would leave <laughs> the stadium with the ball, <laughs> uh, or at least go to another section. But um, so I, on one hand, on one hand, this guy almost gained a little respect for me by kind of like admitting like, cause yeah, I kind of feel the same thing, Jack, that he was kind of like, just like, uh, let's, uh, let's go sit somewhere else. Um, and, uh, just because he couldn't like stand to to face us or like, just wanted to like get out of the, out of the zone because he, he knew that he, he was kind of a shithead. Um, so I almost like gained back a little respect for him, at least kind of like, that was kind of like his silent way of saying like, uh, I crossed the line, I'm just going to take my ball and, and leave. So, uh, he's still a piece of shit though.
0: I know I agree at least he at least he read the room enough to know that he should he should get out of here and you know we Jeremy we, we sat and watched six hours of baseball and that guy did not return to the seat so no, not um at all. whatever whatever point I was going to make to the guy um you know as as I walked out uh to get a hot dog or would have um I think you know uh uh te- telekinesis telekinetically whatever like <laughs> he knew he he knew he knew
1: yeah for sure for sure well, um, yeah, so uh, I don't know, Jack. One of these days, uh, you're going to get a ball, and um, it'll be a clean play. <laughs> there won't be any interference from uh, some asshole across the aisle or from your co-host, and, uh, you know, <laughs> it'll it'll all be good. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, just going back to a couple, like, video game board things uh, or video board things, um, at one point they showed the fans. I, I, I love the, uh, the White Sox, like, just – Um, unrelated fan shots uh, during the game. Uh, You see just, like, all kinds of crazy people. Um, There was a group – this is not – I don't think you saw this, Jack, but there was a group of people. um, It was kind of a similar thing to, like, that whole Fergie Jenkins uh, World Series thing where it was just, like, a weird mixture of people that don't belong together. There was, like, a couple – like, there was, like, a dad, like, just, like, a regular-looking, like, all-American dad and, like, um, I don't know, like, a a wife or something. And I think it was his kid – but he looked exactly like Dimebag Daryl from from Pantera, Jack. I don't know if you know what Dimebag Daryl looks like.
0: Uh, I, I I don't, Jeremy. So he, uh, yeah, he, if, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to Google that one. Real give quick. it a quick
1: Google. Um, yeah, you could see it. But uh, he kind of like he he was a dead ringer for Dimebag Darrell. No no pun intended. But um, uh, yeah. So you know. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. And not something that you would uh not something terribly out of the ordinary at a White Sox game, but um you know it's just kind of like. I don't know. It's kind of like it's like peak white sock that you would plant that you would expect to see uh, <laughs> Daryl look alike in the upper deck. Uh, so that was that was a fun little treat for me. Um, speaking of treats, uh, they did do uh, the Bona Beef race, um, which they've been doing consistently.
0: Yeah, um, and and for this one, it's like they give you a little, uh, a little, you know, a little what, 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 what do you the call it? Game uh,
1: card thing. Yeah, yeah. a little you game card,
0: a little stack sleep. of paper with coupons in it. When you enter the stadium, it's a running gag between Jeremy and I that I never take that. Jack never um, takes. It. We
1: gave each other a look when when Jack refused it. We
0: did, we <laughs> did. I I have a thing, Jeremy. I don't I don't accept things that like people give me on the street. I just I don't want them. I don't care what it is. I don't I don't want them. I don't That's I don't a- like being... I don't like being accosted by, like, the, those, you know, whatever, Greenpeace people or, you know, whoever they're representing when they hang on the street corners. Sure. I just don't make eye contact with them. They try to get your get in your face about stuff. One time a, a, a girl was like, uh, you know, she said to me she wanted me to sign a, a petition for some cause or hear her out or whatever, and I just said, no, thanks. And she said, your rights are being taken away, and I turned around and I said— well, I'm all broken up about my rights. And I said it in the, uh, in the Clint Eastwood Boys, and I kept walking. I was proud of that one. That was probably, that was probably 12 years ago. But, like, uh, I still remember it. But uh, I don't like it, Jeremy. Funny. I don't like But So I never, they, they have the bone-of-beef thing in there where it's like, you know, you're either cheesy beef, uh, beefy beef, or spicy beef, or whatever. So it's like you get, you get one of the cards. And so uh, they played the bone-of-beef race um, for, for both games. But both times, Cheesy Beef won, so they definitely played the same Bona Beef race video for both games.
1: Yeah, and Jack, you had a brilliant observation about it because we were just we just chalked it up to lazy White Sox video uh, board, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, programming. But you you had a great point, Jack, which is so if you, if if Cheesy Beef wins, you can go to Bona Beef and get a free Cheesy Beef or whatever. Um, but if they had another beef win, that means that they would have had a giveaway twice as many free beefs uh, it's just like you know if they could cut that corner and just make it cheesy beef of course they were going to do that and that's a hundred percent why that happened like you know that when the the straight double header was announced bon- the ceo of bona beef called in and it's like you're it's cheesy beef all the way <laughs> game one and two like we're not giving away two beefs and then he hung up um but uh but yeah
0: yeah, you gotta love that cheesy beef coupon too, Jeremy. Valid for twenty four hours after the game. So. I mean,
1: so I was, so I had a cheesy beef coupon, and I would, I would have loved to get a cheesy. I actually, I'll, ta- I'll say this actually, you know, Bona Beef is is kind of like a Chicago staple, but Italian beefs in Chicago, I people do get them with cheese, but like that's not the real way to do it. Like it's, it's with sweet or hot peppers and dipped, and you know, I, I have a friend who puts mustard on his Italian beef, which is. I, I think I may have tried it and it's like not that bad, but it's, it's just not what you do. And like, I don't, I don't agree with the cheesy, um, uh, beef, um, uh, you know, option. So I, I don't know. I would have been conflicted.
0: Maybe it's their, it's their least popular beef. And that's why they, that's why they give it away. I'm trying to think of the other, the other beefs that have won it. It usually seems like it's cheesy beef that wins.
1: Yeah, possibly. Yeah. That, that could be true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to, talk to more like probably south side Chicagoans to see what their thoughts are on the, on the cheese on their beef but uh I don't think it's I don't think it's quite the right thing to do but I don't know where a bone of beef is well that's the other thing Jack is that the bone beefs are only in like the suburbs like I think the closest <laughs> one is like all the way down North Avenue like at like Oak Park or something like it's maybe in Oak Park like I don't think there are any in Chicago proper so it's like yeah man that's a real tough order like to, to turn around and go there 20 within 24 hours of this game. So yeah, I, I did that. Uh, you know, I have a unredeemed cheesy beef coupon sitting on my, my <laughs> right now, but, but yeah. Uh, so no cheesy beef for me or any beef for that matter. But I did get a, I did get a Polish. Um, I got up during the first game. Uh, and, uh, I got in no line, no waiting on that Polish Jack. Uh, and it was goddamn delicious. Uh, and you got one too, right?
0: I did, yeah. I got one, uh, you know, between games, one and game two. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really tasty. Um, yeah, the socks do good uh, on their food. Um, Jeremy, you got you got some nachos later too, which looked uh, which looked pretty tasty as well. They did they did not skimp on the jalapeno peppers for your nachos. Uh, I will say, Jeremy, milestone. So I think the over yeah. under on me eating at games was one point five. I've eaten at two games
1: now. Yeah, that's right. Ding ding ding. Over under alert. We've uh, hit the over. We've hit the over. On um on one here for Rain Delay Theater, so uh yeah, cash in those bets if you took the over on that one, and if you took the under, you're just not you're underestimating Jack's uh appetite.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, cash those in valid for 24 hours. You yeah, know, right. after exactly. after the recording of this podcast, <laughs>
1: right? The recording, yes, of course. Um, so uh so yeah, so that was good, Jack. Okay, now this next thing, I don't know if you heard this one at all. We didn't talk about it, um. Uh when it happened. But... I didn't.
0: I have no idea what this is about.
1: Okay, perfect. So um <laughs> so so we said there's no one behind us. There was a family, like two rows behind us, like a a, a family like a father, uh, mother, and then like two kids, I think. Um and then like across the aisle, one row behind us, there was like a younger guy and his like girlfriend or something, and the guy was like wearing shorts or whatever. He was he was a younger guy for sure, and he was he was on the aisle um, I, at some point I heard, um, I heard the guy behind us, he was an older guy and he said, young man, young man. And, uh, I was like, who the hell is this guy talking to? And I kind of like looked over my shoulder and I saw like the kid who was maybe in his twenties or whatever, um, across the aisle. And he's, uh, he's like, young man, put your money in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> And the guy, the guy looked at his shorts pocket and his money was hanging out of his pocket and he just shoved it back in. He's like, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And that was it. That was the whole exchange. But it was just so funny. Uh, like, it's it's way more funnier now that I'm recounting it. Uh, but it was just a little quick moment. And uh, yeah, I guess Jack didn't hear that. But uh, it was I, like, young man, put your money in your pocket. I
0: uh, What a magnanimous gesture by that guy, you know.
1: It was funny. I'm sure that that embarrassed him in front of the girlfriend, but, uh, the, you know, the old man being like a a father probably couldn't pass up that opportunity to, to be a dad to this kid who needed help, uh, securing his money. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty funny.
0: Um so the one of the uh game so, so first of all we should say that Chris was back the yeah. uh, C- Chris the scoreboard guy the MC for the White Sox games um we hadn't seen him previously um probably haven't seen him in about 2 years cuz the last time we were going to games was 2019 before the yeah. first one we went to this year so yeah it was good to see him back good to see that he's still Still doing it. I don't know if he's glad to still be doing it. <laughs> right. But um, anyway, he's back he was, emceeing all the games. He was, so there more was glad,
1: this... he was more glad than the kid participating in Southpaw Buckets.
0: Yeah, Southpaw Buckets. I actually had not seen this one. This is a new one. So it's sort of like, you know, they line up five buckets and then have like, a kid try to toss a ball in like each Bozo one of the buckets.
1: buckets. Like Bozo Bo- Buckets. Of course, the White Sox couldn't come up with an original idea. They had to do Bozo Buckets and just call <laughs> it, rebrand it as Southpaw Buckets.
0: <laughs> and so this kid, like... He, he didn't seem to care that he was doing this, but he did make he did make a couple of uh, balls in the buckets. It, and he, he, he was he was rewarded with a, a big hat.
1: Well, <laughs> so he there was like five buckets. I actually don't remember if it was a boy or a girl, but the, it was disinter- the kid was totally disinterested and kind of like kind of seemed bummed out to be like on the video board. Um, the kid missed the first and second buckets, hit the third, missed the fourth and hit the fifth, I think. Um, and the whole thing with Bozo buckets is like you—you're done once you miss a bucket. I think like you—you you uh-huh. don't keep going. So again, so White Sox like keep it going. Um, they did win. The kid did win a, a hat and like an autograph picture. Like so, each bucket had its own prize, and like I, I don't know what was in four or two or one or yeah, but like those are some pretty good prizes, especially for missing two out of five buckets. Um, but they did win a hat. And so Southpaw took off his oversized uh, mascot hat and put it on the kid. And Jack was like, Jack did say like, what is he going to do with that big hat? Just kind and of then you,
0: you corrected me and were like, no, it's probably just, they probably want a real hat. But I mean, I I would want Southpaw's <laughs> hat. I think, you know, I don't know where I'd wear it, but it's a, a, col- a collector's item, you know? It's,
1: um, yeah. It's pretty funny. I, I, I mean like, yeah, it was, it was kind of it, obviously comically large on the kid. Um, And it was kind of funny if the kid was into what, you know, being on the damn board to begin with, but but they weren't. So it was just – it all kind of just, you know, it was all another swing and a miss just like most – White Sox uh, promotions are
0: yeah two two more since we're on the on the scoreboard thing here one was uh, first of all we should say that the White Sox this seems to be a 2021 thing but they, before the game they continued their tradition of having an adult say play ball yep. before the game started I didn't catch the guy's name because it was kind of right when we sat down was, yeah. that he was that he was doing it so we didn't we didn't catch the guy's name unlike Vinny uh, Vinny what was his name I can't remember oh um, yeah <laughs> so so they had that also during the uh, the fourth inning this might have been during game two. Um, that, you know, they had the military, uh, salute. So they, uh, you know, have, have somebody from the military stand up and then they, they list all of their accomplishments and the person kind of waves to the camera for the whole, you know, top of the fourth inning. But behind that, the guy, the military That's right. guy, That's right. there was like, there was like another guy who was like, who clearly stepped into the shot so he could be on the video board and he was just like clapping, but he was, he was more animated and making a bigger deal out of it than the military person themselves.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like he was like so glad to be in that shot. I mean, talk about stolen valor. Like this guy, they should do a they should do a YouTube video on this guy for getting in the shot of the of the hero of the game. Uh, they'd be like, sir, what 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 battalion were you in? It's like uh, 104, and like that wasn't a battalion. Like. You make me sick, right um yeah, but uh, but, yeah, like totally like totally stealing this guy's shot, so um that that's right, Jack, I almost forgot about that one, but that was that's yeah. pretty good
0: that was a good one, and then so uh, I think this was toward the end of game game one, uh but there were so there were two two women in front of us, and again the, they weren't there the whole game one, it's like they just showed up at some point, but then they were standing in the aisle, just just talking to each other, just like having a, a casual conversation about like. You know, maybe the, uh, you know, the, the wedding shower that they were going to go to that week or what what their kids were up to. Just just like a casual conversation about bullshit. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, hey, like, haven't seen you in a while. Wow. Great. It was just a, a casual, completely casual conversation about nothing. It, and it like, lasted for like a whole half inning. They were standing yeah. in the
1: aisle. We, we tried to we, it, it was already a couple of minutes into the conversation when we decided to try to like keep time on it but this was like if you go to like a baseball game on a Saturday morning like at, at your local little league park it, it's like it had the, the, the feel of like two women like just having a conversation about you know whatever like oh yeah you know Jimmy's starting school this year he's you know he's oh he's in eighth grade already. He's pretty soon he's gonna be high school. Like it was just like had the like the vibe of that. And yet yet they're standing in the middle of an aisle um of a b- baseball stadium with like twenty four thousand people in it or whatever um just completely blocking the aisle. I uh, the, the, I said to to Jack the only like tragedy of it all was that they happened to somehow not be blocking anyone's view um which will you know is a little uh nod to something that would come uh, up in game two, but uh, not blocking anyone's view. Uh, and so they were managed. They managed to like stay there for a while. And then there, then the, the conversation actually ran its full course before they split. Like no one ever like shooed them out of the way. They're like, um, all right, well, we'll see you after they had a whole <laughs> fucking conversation. And then, then they part like on natural terms, uh, like, like allowed to finish their conversation. So it was just yeah. fucking mind bending.
0: I, I, I repeatedly said to you, Jeremy, as it was going on, like this conversation shows no signs of stopping. Yeah. Like no. just the body language. No, um, 100%. so yeah, it was, it was, it was absurd. Uh, and it lasted at least five minutes. Um, so one thing that was pretty cool was we, uh, we saw a bunch of the, let's hope they're only the 2021 COVID rules, but we saw, you know, I don't like the seven inning double headers. I've made that quite clear, but we saw a seven inning double header. We also saw our first, um, extra inning game, yeah. which is, which is pretty cool. So, you know, in the top of the eighth inning, they put a runner on second base. So we did get to witness that. I don't know if they're going to be doing it next year, but, uh, late in the game. So Lance Lynn, the big bastard, this was his, uh, <laughs> this was his first start after he had signed his two-year, $38 million extension with the White Sox. So, you know, if, if you ask any White Sox fan now, it's like they've, you know, uh, talk about, like, revisionist history. Like, uh, as far as any White Sox fan is concerned, Lance Lynn had no career before he came to the White Sox. He was never <laughs> on any other team. It's just, you know, and this is the first fan base that's really appreciated the guy. I don't, I don't know <laughs> how much there is to, like, appreciate about Lance Lynn, but, like, he is having a good season this year. He's a front runner for the Cy Young Award. But uh, yeah, he's become quite a character with the White Sox, and leave it to the White Sox to embrace a embrace a guy like like Lance Lynn, who has referred to himself as, I believe, kind of an asshole and a big bastard. So that's just <laughs> it, that's that's perfect. But anyway, some uh, uh, a Twins player in the top of the seventh, so they were going to let Lynn go the distance, um, at least at least in this seven inning inning game. Uh, so a guy hit a, a comeback, Twins player hit a comebacker to Lance Lynn, and you know I wish there was some way we could show you guys the replay of this, but Lance Lynn like. He could have fielded this ball, but um, instead he was just like, "Ah, fuck it," and he just got he just got out of the way of it and uh-huh. let uh, let Tim Anderson, um, you know, kind of get it up the middle and throw it to first. And I don't know if it was laziness or like cockiness or just being like, "Yeah, I can't be bothered to get this," but it was <laughs> uh, it was definitely something.
1: Yeah, it was pretty funny just to see the the body language. Like he was completely like like stood straight up and just kind of gave like a. A disregarding like like SWAT of the of the mitt at the ball, and then yeah, it ended up getting fielded. Uh, I don't know if that was Kirillov or um, Jeffers, uh, but one of them, both of them, hit a six-three ground out. So one of those two did that. Uh, but yeah, pretty funny to see uh, for sure.
0: Um so Jeremy this next one with Ryan Burr I remember yeah. so so they Ryan uh, the the pitcher who started the inning I think it was Crochet um, yeah. he started with a dirty inning so he started with a guy on second base in the top of the 8th here now um and you know he didn't he didn't do too good uh I think he loaded the bases um and then so they uh, LaR- he faced three guys one of them might have scored Larusa uh, lifted um, Crochet and so now uh, Ryan Burr is coming in in a completely dirty inning. There's runners on the bases. Um, and, yeah, Jeremy, I, I I thought about this at the time, but Ryan Burr has some pretty terrible uh, entrance music.
1: Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's Rage Against the Machine, uh, Bulls on Parade. So it's like, wow, wow, ch-ch-ch- wow, wow, ch-ch-ch-, and, like... Um, uh so they play that and so like you know they're playing that like uh Larissa comes out to the mound r- uh, motions for ryan burr ryan burr com- like comes in from from the left field bullpen and they're playing like oh like, uh, they're they're playing the the rage against the machine song which is a pretty like you know aggressive like angry like loud song and so it's like they rally around the family with a pocket full of shells they rally around the family with a pocket full of shells, and like, and Tony La Russa is like, you know, standing on on the mound waiting to hand off the ball to Ryan Burr, and then he like, you know, casually like strolls back to the the dugout, and I, and you know, wh- how old is Tony LaRussa? Seventy six. Yeah,
0: seventy six.
1: So I'm like, I'm just picturing, I'm like, what, what must Tony LaRussa think of this song? Like, I know that this song's been out for like twenty five, like thirty years at this point. So I'm, he might have heard it in passing at some point in his life being in a baseball stadium. But like, you know, you, you, think of like, uh, you know, uh, just the, the cliche of like, you know, parents like, like holding like their ears shut, like at like loud rock and roll music. And like, so here's Tony LaRusso, like 76 year old man bringing in like, uh, Ryan Burr and he's coming off the, the, uh, coming off the, the, uh, the mound and you just hearing like, come with it now, like and like. I'm just thinking, like Tony Russo must be like, uh, oh, please turn it off, and like he probably like get wanted to get back in the dugout and like maybe put like a Gatorade cups over his ears or something. But
0: yeah, Jeremy, the um just that style of music from that um you know that era, uh, it, it reminds me of like songs that the WWE would use like as like the headlining song for their pay per view. You know, oh, they did yeah. it more in the early 2000s, but that was like the style of music that they would that they would go with. Well, the um,
1: WWF went so far as to hire. Like a a band to that who sounded like a complete Rage Against the Machine ripoff, uh, to do like the Degeneration X song. Oh yeah, and, like, um, I think like I had heard back in the day that that was like Vince McMahon's cousin or something, or like his nephew, like that was his like nephew's band or something, and they like you know hired them to do all these songs. I don't know if I'm sure that information now would be widely available about who those people were who made those those songs, but they were complete Rage Against the Machine ripoffs.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, those songs came up on my Spotify one time because I put them on a playlist. And, uh, you know, it wasn't great. So, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> um, uh, yeah. So one last thing, um, of course, uh, just, you know, p- people being completely oblivious. Uh, Nelson Cruz came up in the top of the eighth with the bases loaded. It was a huge at bat. Um, and, of course, a lady just, like, walked right in front of us with, like, a, a big ice cream cone in her hand and just, like, took you know she had two and she was given one to somebody like who was was in her group um just completely oblivious to the moment and like oh you know what like i better like i better at least act like i'm kind of ducking so these people can behind me can see like just just yes. nothing like that just as if it was there was no game going on and like the grounds crew was was spraying the dirt before <laughs> the game or something
1: as if the previous 3 hours plus of baseball hadn't led up to this exact moment where you've decided to pass an ice cream cone uh, to someone in front of us while blocking our spot Um, these people this group of people would become uh, telling in game two Um, she was with this group of people uh, which was about like I think it was about like seven people or something six or seven people spread over two rows three like in the row right in front of us and then like four maybe three or four in the row in front of them um, which um, I guess we'll get to here at the beginning of game two, but but yeah, that was their first foray into our uh, experience, which was uh, yeah blocking blocking the view. Uh, it Turns was. out Cruz hit a um, a uh, go ahead uh, sacrifice fly um, to uh, or actually I that was actually maybe the second run of the uh, of the inning, but uh, um, yeah
0: yeah actually it might have been the first Jeremy. Actually yeah, um, you're, right, you're right. And then I think Jorge Polanco singled in another run, and so they scored yeah. two. In the top of the eighth, uh, the White Sox would ultimately lose that first game, even though they had uh, they had some chances at the end there. But they, uh, uh, the White Sox, ultimately lost a uh, disappointing game. One um, game two was a little faster, um, so it's uh, we, we. I know we got a whole other game here, but it was a fast game, um, and it was uh, I was snappy. It was uh, I was what Scott Pitsednik would call a good, crisp ball game. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, the, these people sitting. In front of us, uh, we called this guy the foul ball guy. because uh, So it, it was a, a situation where, you know, there was a pop foul. You know, Jeremy and I were still in, uh, behind home plate. But yeah. this pop foul went into, like, the fifth row of the first deck. And, you know, we said we were in the one of the back rows. These people were a, a row in front of us. And so this guy kind of goes down three steps. The ball lands, you know, 20 yards in front of him. And he goes, ah! Like he just... <laughs> Like, like he just missed it. Like, he had been in, like, a similar (laughs) situation to us where he had his hand on the ball. Right. Like, no, he wasn't even – I don't know why he he lamented that. He wasn't even close to the ball.
1: Yeah, if only this guy had known what had happened just in the seat behind – like, if he was sitting in – so he was two rows in front of me um, on the aisle. And, like, if he had only known – like, that ball would have hit him in the face if he didn't, like, make (sighs) a play on it. That's how close it came to him. Would have come to him if they would have gotten to the early game, but and Jack, the one that you know, whatever that landed at the in the f- the front of the upper deck above us, that's the closest one that he kind of came to. There were other ones like sections over where he would like. So this is what he would do. He would he was sitting, and this guy is like an older guy, uh, late forties, maybe early fifties, um, and looks is dressed like a a big kid, a big little kid. Um, definitely a South side looking guy, like kind of just like kind of scruffy, like maybe like, a you know, a garbage truck driver. I don't know. <laughs> um, but like, uh, definitely working for streets and sands, you know, in some capacity. Um, he like would like hand his phone to his wife or something in the, in the second row. And then the row behind him and then go for the ball. He, so a ball would get popped up. He'd be like, ooh, ooh. And then he'd, he'd hand his phone off to the woman behind him and then go run for it. And then he would never come anywhere close to it. Um, but the, 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 the phone handoff thing was the funniest. He did it like three times when he was going for foul balls. And oh. it was just like it, it, it was meaningless because it didn't it, he was never close to one.
0: No, and, and to give you some perspective of how far he was away, like on that first one, like that, that would be the equivalent of like if I had bought like a, a mega millions lottery ticket where you have to guess like six numbers and I got one number right and I was like, <laughs> ah god it was so close. So close. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this guy was he was kind of a character, you know, he didn't you know he wasn't really bothering anybody, but he, you know, definitely wanted his foul ball. But at, at one point Jeremy, you you, you did describe it well, too. He was dressed like a big little kid. Um, Yeah. Like, he had on, you know, he had on just, like, a T-shirt and gym shorts and, like, a a White Sox hat. Yeah. Um, You know, which is maybe, like, you'd think maybe you you are, hey, I know that people don't dress up in suits for baseball games anymore but or, like, to go to the airport. But if you're going to somewhere like that, maybe at least throw on, like, a a pair of jeans or a nice pair of shorts or something.
1: You know. I, well, it's a paradox, Jack, because I mean, I was wearing a t shirt and cutoffs and a white socks hat too. But there's something about this guy that just made him look goofy. It was like his his I think I guess his clothes were like baggy or something. Like he had a big they baggy were... t shirt, maybe, and that that's like what it what the difference is. Because there was just something you, like yes, you would describe him like a just like a little kid. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's just the way it's the way it it, it he wore it. You know. <laughs> that, that, he, that made him look like that. Um, but, yeah, so at some point uh, during the game, um, he, um, like, kind of, like, sat up in his seat. I, I don't know if he was, like, putting his phone in his pocket or whatever or what he was doing. But he, he did this thing where he was, like, standing up or something. And then he, like, he was kind of, like, sitting on the top of his seat. He was, like, I don't even know how he was, like, literally, like, stuck. Like, like, like settling in his seat. But he was, like, up in his seat, basically. Like, like. Sitting on like the, his butt was like by the very top of the back of the seat, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, it does. Um, So, yeah, he was, he was sitting his, he was sitting on the top of a seat. And so unlike the ladies who were having the, you know, casual conversation in the first game, this guy was blocking our view.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, totally blocking our view. Like I, uh, I remember um, Andrew Vaughn was up. I think it was the top of the, or the bottom of the second inning. So Vaughn popped out to, uh, to center field. And, um, you know, I couldn't see the pitch, um, and he made the out and I'm like, I'm like, ah, shit, this is only the first out. So he's like, I feel like he's not going to sit down anytime soon or move anytime soon. Um, but I was on the aisles. Like I could like, I could kind of like lean over and, and see some of it, but you know, I had to like move and like, it wasn't clear. I w- it was still blocking. Even if I could see the batter, I could, couldn't see the pitcher. So it, it wasn't good. It wasn't ideal. And so like, I think another batter came up. Uh, given sheets struck out on three pitches and, um, or maybe not three pitches, but he struck out and, um, the guy wasn't moving. And so at some point I lean over to Jack and I say, this is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, immediately after that, the woman, uh, the, the, like two, there were two women in front of us, like the woman with the ice cream cone and like another woman, they turn around and they look directly at me. And then the guy turns around and looks at me. And uh, it was clear that, like, you know, they knew that I was talking about them. Um, and the woman said, do you want to do you want to do the play by play on this one? Sure. I yeah. mean,
0: because I, I witnessed the whole thing. Yeah. So, it, it, it again, this is something, Jeremy, that happened much faster than, you know, it can possibly be described. But, yeah, you said to me. This is a problem. I immediately knew what you were. I kind of it had kind of hadn't registered to me that the guy was doing it, um, uh, you know, but but he was. Um, so you said, this is a problem. Instantaneously, he heard you and sat down. And then one of the women who was in front of us looked back and apologized to you. And I was <laughs> like, that was a little too real.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. She said like she's like, he thinks he's at home. Sorry about that. And they, <sighs> they, they took it as a moment to kind of chide the guy a little bit. Um, but like it could have went a lot worse than that. Um, and I'm probably I mean, lucky
0: again, like somehow we were, we were sitting again, uh, in, like near people who like were able to read the room pretty well. Like, you know, the guy who took our foul ball left, like. These people immediately, like, apologize for their faux pas. Also funny that, like, she said that he thinks he's at home because he was dressed like he was at home.
1: <laughs> right. Um, and also, like, does he stand? Does he do that at home? Does he sit on the top of his couch at home? Like, that seems to be a bigger problem than sitting on top of the chair at a White Sox game. But whatever.
0: Um, but, yeah, it was one of those moments where, you know, we, we complain a lot about a lot of things and who knows, man, maybe if we just actually said something to the people who were like doing this stuff, they would, you know, feel, feel bad about it. But, uh, at the same time, like, uh, I don't know, man, it's more fun to complain about it. But also in that moment, I was like, Oh man, like maybe there would have been a better approach to that than Jeremy (laughs) just saying, this is a problem.
1: (laughs) Well, so I mean, and it's funny. I don't think
0: you – you didn't intend for him to hear it, though. You said it no. You said it to me, and you didn't think you'd said it loud enough that they would be able to hear it.
1: Well, and also, like, it's like saying this is a problem. How did they know that I was talking about that guy? It could have been – I could have been, like – I could have showed you a picture, like a, a news update on my phone saying, like, you know, whatever, like, uh, you know, peace in the Middle East is over or something. Like, I, like, I don't know. Like, it could have been anything, but they knew – they somehow knew – maybe it was the bitchy tone of my voice or something, but they knew that it was about that guy. And so one thing that happened, it was pretty funny from my angle is that I kept looking over at Jack and Jack just fucking was cracking himself up. Like just fucking like laughing, like really hard. Like maybe some of the hardest I've ever seen Jack laughing to himself, uh, just at the situation, which was pretty funny to, to witness and a little embarrassing, but, um, but then I also I did feel bad for this guy so like it's true the guy wasn't really as for as much of a goofball as the guy was and I apologize about the streets and sands com- comment that that I, I, that sounds elitist and I don't, I don't mean that um, he was just a goofball he was just a white Sox goofball like a pretty harmless guy so I'm not I'm not judging him at all but like he didn't seem like he wasn't a bad guy like there's been a lot of worse guys who are a lot more annoying and like um, just uh, invasive basically but um, this guy wasn't really much of a problem uh, until this moment, but he was in the wrong. And like, you know, I know that, you know, people yell like, Hey, down in front sometimes. But like, I feel like a lot of times people don't take well to that. And like, I try to give him a couple batters to like sit down. Cause you know, a lot of times when something like that's happening, if you just wait like a batter or two, they usually sit down, you know? Um, But yeah, it was just, it was just uncanny how they knew immediately that, that's what I was talking about.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got a good s- story, Jeremy, and this is a second-hand story, but it's from when my dad and my brother <clears throat> went to a Marquette road game. Um, so a, a tradition at Marquette home games is that uh, all of the fans will stand until Marquette makes their first basket. So uh, I think they were uh, at a game at, I, I don't know, maybe it was uh, a Providence, at, at Providence. Um, and, uh, you know, the, there were Marquette fans. They were sitting in the Marquette fans section, and, um, you know, these two people were standing um, at the beginning of the game and just obstructing everybody's view. And so some, some guy behind, um, you know, my dad and my brother said, hey, like, you know, c- could you guys please sit down? And, like, the, the lady turns, t- turns around and says, "Oh, well, we always stand until they score their first basket. And this guy responds, ma'am, don't be an idiot. LAUGHTER um, I don't know if they sat down after that but hey man you know as as whatever you said it wasn't it wasn't as blatant as that so there you go <laughs>
1: That was a road game where they the way that happened
0: Yeah and I mean it's like hey man r- you know read the room like don't uh I feel like I said read the room a lot but like don't you know don't don't do that at a road game so like what what <laughs> you really said funny. was was not as as harsh as that and you're right you're right that the guy you know he was pretty harmless. Um the yeah. people seemed nice enough, but you're right. He was he was in the wrong ultimately.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean he like the the I think like the both women apologized. The one woman said like yeah he thinks he's at home, and then the guy even like I think he kind of like put his hand up and like you know apologized. I did say like uh, it's okay, uh, it's fine. Like I was kind of like smiling or whatever, so like trying to like defuse it, I guess. But you know who knows that probably could have come across as like like being an asshole or something. But like. I think it was fine, but like, yeah. And then again, just kept keeping looking looking back at Jack and seeing him fucking like cracking up to himself was just like the icing on the cake of the whole situation.
0: Yeah, some of my hardest laughs, Jeremy, have come at White Sox games when that guy in the scoreboard was jerking off uh, this this time. So it's just you never you never know what's going to happen when you and go that,
1: there. Why not go to that, that? See, you know, for as much as we you know rag on the White Sox, um, you know that's a great selling point right there. Gr- granted, it's from like you know. Almost getting into a fight and a guy fucking you know making lewd actions in front of like on the video <laughs> board but but still we we have fun at white Sox games, maybe not for the reason that they think we should because we're like <laughs> listening we're finding out about the music that Jose Ruiz likes, but you know it's still uh we're still having fun, so so there you go at the end of the day that's all that matters
0: what was this white sox quiz jeremy i don't i don't remember that
1: um i'm trying to remember the exact questions now, but they were um is that the um no, that wasn't the the Minnesota one that would happen later. Um, there was uh, – or maybe it was. No, it wasn't, right?
0: No, I, th- that there was definitely the, – the Minnesota one was its own thing. I, I don't quite remember what the White Sox quiz was. Yeah, um, I think it was
1: just – oh, I think that was the one where it was two questions, and they were like the easiest questions or something. But that was also the Minnesota one. I'm not quite sure, but it was um, – I think it was – If it wasn't that Minnesota one, then I think it was just another just dumb, like dumb White Sox quiz with like, like, like ridiculously easy answers. So, um, yeah, I uh, that's all I wrote down for my note there. But uh, you rest assured it was probably poorly executed.
0: Well, uh, hey, I'll say this. Um, The next thing was, uh, you know, I guess fairly memorable. Um, You know, it wasn't as lewd as the uh, what what we just described on the scoreboard from a previous game but completely uh apropos of nothing they showed a girl um uh you know she looked like she was about 20 or 21 and she was in like a shower which must have (laughs) been jeremy you said it was in like left field but like she was in a shower and she had the shower running um and like you know the shower was just pouring over her um i mean she did have a shirt on But like I I was like, I don't know why they're just showing this woman under a shower right now at this at this family event.
1: Yeah. Well, for, you know, um, in true White Sox fashion, one of the uh, sponsors of the White Sox is like, you know, U.S. plumbers or something like some kind of like plumbers thing. Like when you go to the urinals in the in the bathroom, there's individual signs above each urinals like advertising for these plumbers. Um, And they there's yeah, for some reason, there's a shower out in the outfield. I think it's always been there, too. I'm not sure what it's there for. I think it's maybe for people to go under when it's, like, super hot. But this girl was, like, uh, like this 20-something-year-old girl who, like, was on the White... I think she was on the White Sox crew, but...
0: I think so. It seemed like it. That was the vibe I got.
1: Yeah. Maybe this is her thing. They hired her to just be the shower girl. But she was... go. She's under the shower, and she pulls the nozzle, and there's just water raining down on her. And they're like, U.S. plumbers for all your plumbing needs or something. I have to say, Jack, that this came pretty quickly after the this is a problem situation so I was still already i was still kind of, kind of like shaky a little bit um and I was like watching it but I, I was still kind of like distracted a little bit uh, so i i didn't really like it didn't really sink into me like the absurdity and uh provocativeness of this of this of this thing that they were showing but yeah just a girl like covering herself with water for some reason.
0: Yeah, I, I was maybe, uh, at that point maybe a little more nonplussed than you were about, about that one. Um For sure. uh, so Jeremy, this is a, uh a good one here. So yeah. uh there was a, a guy and a girl um who were trying to they were about six rows in front of us and they were trying to get back into their seats. Um and so they they were both kind of gonna go in at the same time. Uh the guy tries to go in and the girl tries to go in, they do it at the same time. So yeah. it's like they almost ran into each other. And they seemed like they were on a date or something. And so it was one of those moments where it's like, hey, you know, you should, as a gentleman, I guess you should let the lady go first. In my, in my case, uh, it, like, in the direction they were going, I would have gone in first because I wouldn't have been able to hear her, so I need people on my left. But, like, you know, this guy, it's in most situations, you're going to want to let the lady go first there. And he totally didn't. And she ran into him, and she looked surprised that, like, yeah. he didn't let her go. And he eventually did let her go. But it was one of those things where, from the guy's perspective, if I had been in his shoes, I'd be like oh man, I hope, I hope nobody saw that. Um, (laughs) Right. I hope we we totally did.
1: I hope two guys with a podcast who just (laughs) shit on everybody didn't see that. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, totally. It was like, it was like some kind of like cosmically like, like romantic like rom-com cute moment where they both like go into the aisle at the same time or something. It's like a meet cute or something, but they were actually already on a date and like, it was like, it's like something that I would maybe do as a joke, like a physical bit, like on a on a date or something. Like, "Oh, oh, sorry, you know." But like the the like overzealousness of this kid to like kind of bur like bust into the aisle in front of her is just like is kind of crazy. Like like may- he must have been like super nervous or something or I don't know what, but like yeah, like they both like just the 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 <laughs> the silliness of it was like I I could see like it like I could see anyone watching it thinking like, oh, dude, like, what are you doing, man? Just chill out. Just take a step back and let the girl go in the friggin' row. Don't fucking ram into her while you're trying to go into the the, the seats as well. So, yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a silly moment that I don't even think this guy could have orchestrated any better. Like if he did it as a joke, that would be kind of funny. But like, uh yeah, it was just like a it was just a bad move on this guy's part. um So. So yeah, just a, a miss there. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it turned out uh, well for them in the end, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> um, Jack, uh, get your, uh, get your, get your Google ready again, because, um, I, I already have. I okay, already have. good, good. Uh, so, um, so this is a music heavy podcast, maybe for Minnesota, uh, for a game with Minnesota. It's, it's fitting, but, um, another person. So Jack, I don't know if you saw this person go down the aisle, but, Again, there's just no shortage of oddballs at White Sox games. This one would probably surprise you a little bit. At some point in the, uh, in the game, this woman went down the aisle and she had like, I swear to God, she was wearing like a business, like a blazer, like a, 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 sho- a blazer with shoulder pads, like a pink blazer with shoulder pads. And she had like bleach blonde, short white hair that was like kind of like sticking up and like stylized kind of like in like a crew cut sort of way. And she looked exactly like the singer from Roxette, from the '80s. Uh, now I know that's a, I know that's a pretty uh, deep cut. Um, but if uh, I know that there's some listeners out there who will know exactly what I'm talking about. But she looked like the singer from Roxette. Jack, did you see this woman or someone resembling I, I did not. N- I
0: did not see a woman who who matched this resemblance. So you're seeing all the you're seeing all the, uh, you're seeing all the uh, musicians tonight.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like it was the only time I ever saw her. I don't know what section they they came from. But, um, she, uh, yeah, she like, uh, she just like passed and I'm like, that's a very odd, she looked straight out of the eighties, like, n- like New York from the eighties or something, just like this, like short crew cut, like bleach blonde hair. And then like, she was gone. Uh, so it was very, very odd. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we got Dimebag Darrow, we got Roxette, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, oh, we keep, yeah. All, all we going. need
0: is a, we need American English playing at the game, and then we're uh, <laughs> That's right. then we're all set playing yeah. some, some Beatles covers. Um, so the, uh, a growing trend I've noticed, Jeremy, is for the uh, the home team to have a segment where they do like a Q and A segment, and it's making fun of uh, the visiting team, the visiting team's fans, and the visiting team's city. Yeah. So they they had that um, the uh, with Southpaw and Chris. Yeah. Uh, doing like a Q&A uh, session and making fun of Minnesota and Minneapolis. Um, I can't remember exactly what the questions were. Uh, they were playing Prince during all of this, though, um, who is like one of the most renowned musicians <laughs> of the last several decades. Uh, so I, it and seemed kind from, of like...
1: And it's from Minnesota.
0: Yes, Um, and actually, I saw someone wearing like a a Twins Prince jersey. Um, It must have been like a giveaway that they had because the jersey was all um, purple. It looked it looked kind of cool. Not something I would wear, but it's like, oh, okay, that's that's neat. Um, But uh, yeah, Jeremy, and I'll say this: like, hey, if you're a city like Chicago or, or any ballpark, really, like you know, a certain amount of the fans at that game, probably a couple, as many as a couple thousand, are going to be from the uh, the visiting team like visiting your ballpark and like do you really want to like make fun of the city? I mean come on, man like who who care who from Chicago really cares that much about Minnesota that we need to like shit on Minneapolis?
1: Yeah, no for sure. I still feel like it's like yeah like it's Chicago like it's supposed to be like a like a a pretty like desirable city to be in. Um, I actually I really like Minneapolis and, and St. Paul. Um, but, like, the angle to, like, shit on, like, a, a smaller city uh, to, like, put, put down your opponent is, seems pretty cheap. Um, and then, like I said, and that's, like, that's while Prince is playing in the background, uh, which is, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like who, like, who doesn't love Prince? Who doesn't, like, not only, like, just acclaimed but uh, respected, like, musician. Um, there's countless of other great uh, uh, bands that have come out of Minneapolis and St. Paul. And so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of silly. Um, but, uh, you know, again, just another chance for the White Sox to miss the mark. Um, But, yeah, so so, you know, that kind of sums up the, the game like uh in terms of things that happened um, in the uh, it was a pretty interesting game overall. Yeah. Um, the, the, the twins kind of dominated. Jose Barrios really dominated for most of the game for the, or at least six innings of the game. Um it was three to two going into the seventh. So that that he did dominate, had eight strikeouts. He did give up two solo shots, one to uh Mancada and one to Jose Abreu. So as much as the twins did dominate, they were still within striking distance in the seventh. Um and Barrios came out and just kinda just didn't have it for the seventh. He was only at like eighty something, eighty four pitches or something. Um so it's questionable. I you know, for a guy like Barrios, it's not out of the question to leave him in to try to go for a complete game. They had no one warming up. Uh, he clear, he quickly got into trouble, gave up a single, a hit by pitch, um, a wild pitch. Gavin Sheets steps to the plate, rookie uh, first baseman, who we saw in the uh, alternate site game uh, back we in did. April, I believe, or May or whatever. Um, and uh, he promptly hits a three-run walk-off homer uh, to end the game. Uh, fireworks ensue. Uh, just crushes the ball to right field, like a no doubt home run. And, uh, you know, Minnesota's stunned and the White Sox walk off a winner. Uh, but that wasn't the end of it for us. Um, we were again, standing on the aisle and, um, you know, we were maybe guilty of like, you know, marking in our scorecards, um, after the play happened. Um, so we're standing in our, in our seats, kind of just like, Wide open, like to to because at this point now you know everyone is rushing up the aisles to, to leave like it's a mass exodus, and out of nowhere, this fucking big behemoth of a guy, uh, comes up to us, stand he we see he actually like locks eyes with us a, a row before he gets to us, walks up to us, steps into the aisle so steps out of traffic, is kind of like point blank at our face and he looks bo- both of us in the fucking eyes and he's like. That was a fucking bomb, like so close that I could smell his breath, and yeah. we we're like, we were like, yeah, and then he like steps out and just keeps walking and he's gone.
0: Yeah. Um. So Jeremy, uh, this guy, he, he, yeah, he comes up to us, a big dude. He looks like you know, for lack of a better term for baseball, he's like, he looks like a Dan Vogelbach, like Kyle Schwarber kind of guy. Yeah. He actually kind of looked a little bit like Kyle Schwarber. He did. Um. Know, yeah. And, and he, he comes up to us and he, he got in our faces and in he the time was like of
1: COVID we should say too.
0: Yeah. He, he gets in our faces and he says, that was a fucking bomb. And then he kind of just looks at us yeah. and he's got like, he's got murder in his eyes, Jeremy. Yeah. He
1: had like dark eyes. Like he had like darkness around his eyes. It was like hard to explain, but. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He He looked, you know, Jack. Wait, hold on. You know who he kind of looked like? He kind of looked like uh, Gomer Pyle at the end, uh, like at the end of part one of Full Metal Jacket. Maybe that's a little uh, of an exaggeration, but he kind of had like that kind of like. Sunken in face look. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking right now.
0: Sure, yeah, and he um. So he, he says this to us. He goes, "That was a fucking bomb." And he, he looks he looks from me to you and like back again. And he just kind of stays there. Like he just stayed. <laughs> and like I didn't know what he wanted from us. Right, um, right. And and like there was it wasn't like we were twins fans and he was taunting us. Like you right. had your White Sox hat on. Right. I had my Scott carroll like White Sox jersey on. So like for all this guy knew, we were White Sox fans. And it's like, this guy was just so fired up about this home run that like he couldn't handle it. Like he was just going to, he was just going to like blow his top. And we were just like, yeah, yeah, that was he really hit that one. And then like, he kind of still stayed there and then he like nodded and then he kept, he kept walking, but I don't, I don't understand what he wanted out of that reaction. I think he just needed to, to, as Jack Nicholson said, and as good as it gets, like he just needed someone to share the moment with you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. It it was, it was odd. Yeah. I, I, I know it's like, I think he wanted like to headbutt us or something or he, he wanted us to headbutt him or something. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, we probably would have had concussions, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was bizarre. Um, so then he goes and then, you know, we're still like, kind of like, I think maybe like at this point, maybe I was making the note in my phone that this guy said this. Uh, and then like we're getting our scorecards ready. Maybe I was like putting the final touches on my scorecard. Then another guy comes up to us and he's like, uh, "Worth keeping score for, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, man." And I turn to Jack. And I'm like, "We got to get the fuck out of here," because <laughs> we're like we're standing there like just like like sitting ducks for like all these like over uh, exuberant White Sox fans <laughs> who who just saw this like walk. And rightfully so, they were like you know they saw this awesome walk-off homer in a game that they thought that was over that they were going to lose and um we're just sitting ducks there waiting for them to talk to us and we're like let's get out of here man we got we like what's next someone's gonna say like hey uh what was uh Sheets's, uh average going into this game you got the scorecard there tell me and it's like no like please leave me alone sir like i want to go home and see my wife but um so yeah so that was uh that was interesting. We had to get out of there, which we did. We, we kind we of did. got our way up the aisle. We uh, decided to head to the bathroom one more time, um, partially for the relief, partially for the, the last bit of material, which always uh, comes at White Sox games. Before we did that, Jack, um, we're walking over, and uh, I look to my, my left, and uh, I see Rick Hahn exiting uh, some door, which must have led to like either his private box or the, the press box or something. Um, but uh, he was... Uh, he was getting out of there. Uh, I kind of like, I, I kind of like had to like grab you and like, like hit you, hit you hard to, to look over to see Han. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Yeah, And
0: so, so he was leaving his box. And, uh, first of all, I'll say that like Rick Han was getting less attention than we were when we were standing there, (laughs) you know, which which was a little ridiculous. Some guy yelled something at him and like he waved, but the odd thing was like he was, he was leaving and just going into the concourse. He had no escort of, of any, of any kind And if I was in Rick Hahn's position, I would have been like, you know, I'm going to wait like 10 or 15 minutes and just wait till the stadium clears out and then I'll leave Um, because I don't want to like get bothered by a bunch of yahoos who are like going to ask me who I'm going to trade for. Um, or yeah. you know, or or
1: worse. Yeah, like um, a big behemoth who comes up to you and says, That was a fucking bomb. <laughs> to, to Rick Hahn. Imagine if that guy did that to Rick Hahn. That would have been fantastic.
0: <laughs> um so yeah, go, I don't God, know what became of, of Rick Hahn and how he got out of the stadium after that, but that was that was very bizarre to see, you know, <laughs> top White Sox brass just being completely not with any escort uh, at all. Um, yeah. so so we go so we, we make our way to the men's Um, And and by this point, since we had waited a little bit after the game ended, there was a line formed outside of the men's room. And so Jeremy and I get in there as as we're about to enter the door. Some old guy just cuts in front of Jeremy. Um, He
1: he, he like he like merged next to me. So as to like he was standing like next to me and like but did it didn't like like fall back, didn't like get behind. Like it's like I was there first, like. You, you see that happening. It's like, you're like, Oh, okay. Back of the lines over here. But he stood like next to me, almost like, oh, I'm going to get in. I'm going to get in in front of you. Like something like that. And it's like, what, what are you doing, dude? Like, like we're just yeah. trying to get in and get out. Like, the, um, yo, go ahead, Jack.
0: Yeah. I was going to say he was having none of that line. Um, yeah. he was not going to wait in line and, but, but because he didn't merge right in and he kind of stood next to you, a second line began to form behind this guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like, yeah. So then it's starting to get like really messy. Um, we did, we did start to move like um, almost immediately after that. I think, would Jack? I let the guy go in front of me, right? I was just like, you go did, ahead you did. Well,
0: I mean, you. Yeah, I, I don't know if you let him or he pushed you in. It was uh, another <laughs> another another like you know, I'm gonna let the guy have this ball kind of things. where it's just right. like, all right, I'm just gonna let this guy in.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I just like kind of like just said, all right, go ahead, and then but then I got in behind him because like you got to shut that line off at some point because because if we if we didn't. Like assert ourselves, then everyone behind us would have fucking you know try to rip our heads off. So, um, so yeah, so we we got in, uh, you know, took a piss, looked at the U.S. plumbers uh, sign, uh, <laughs> washed my hands because it's COVID, and then we got the hell out of there.
0: Yeah, but it, overall, Jeremy, it was it was an eventful night. Uh, I was glad we were able to able to do it um and uh yeah it was our, our first ever first ever double header which was which was pretty cool well I mean not our first ever one but our first ever one for this podcast
1: for the podcast yeah and like um I mean that's another big I think uh just element of White Sox games is that you have a chance to go to these straight double headers um one one ticket uh gets you in for both games and uh yeah we it's some i think feel like it's something that maybe like led to us wanting to do this podcast and like we haven't had a chance to do one for the podcast yet so it was cool to do that um, and, uh, yeah, so Yeah, and,
0: and Jeremy, I will, I will say one, one last thing about the games um, is that, uh, you know, the first game, no one's going to remember that. But I do feel like ultimately, you know, after this White Sox season ends, um, however it ends, I don't, you know, we don't know how far they're going to make into the playoffs. They certainly will because the AL Central kind of sucks besides them. But I, I think that that Sheets home run is going to be a, like kind of a, a defining moment. Like that will be a highlight that is shown, um, you know, uh, of this season. So that's kind of cool yeah. that we saw a signature 2021 moment right there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't, without looking it up, I have to say that's Sheets uh, first walk off Homer. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be, it's cool. It's cool to see that, uh, especially having seen him as a, you know, before his major league debut in the, uh, all site game to see him hit that walk off Homer. Very cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we don't know uh, what our next game is going to be. We've also got some good ideas for uh, non-game episodes. So not sure what we're going to hit you with next week, but we will be back.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, it should be it should be a fun one um, for this idea that we got cooking for next week. So, um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll call it for now, though. Uh, so for Rain Delay Theater, I'm Jeremy Dionisio.
0: And I'm Jack Skrowski.
1: We'll see you later, folks.